0: Welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So if you remember last week we found the Bible, the Old Testament, to be a good source of material regarding the Church. And this week we're going to look at the New Testament to find the same thing. And it looks like we have a design. oh no there they are i thought it left my notes at home <laughs> that would have been terrible okay and we're going to start just to show the link in peter good old peter's epistle that's his letter so in one peter i was after when i was a boy we had to, we learned all the books of the Bible, all the way through. You know, Genesis, Exodus, number two Deuteronomy. I should just read on something. And then New Testament. I always remember the bit that goes: Peter, Peter, John, John, John. Jude, Revelations. John, John, John. Peter, Peter, John, John, John. Jude, Revelations. The letters. Other three children. Three, three, three letters. Yeah. But they're quite the, short, aren't they? The last one's very, very short, yeah. So Peter, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. And we'll start with this because it's Peter's more or less saying what we were saying last week. All these things in the in the Old Testament. So verse so it's 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 so as you come to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says, I see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. That's the chief stone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Um, And then verse 9. But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you weren't a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, three or four things that we said last week in the Old Testament, Peter's saying, yeah, this is is the church. So you are being built into a temple. You are living stones. Each one of you built into a temple, and we used to have this. <coughs> has anyone told you about our old dance and drama group we had? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things we we used to do this is a little play, and we were all stones, and the um, the master stonemason was coming. Ow! Ooh! No! Ow! Ooh! I'm okay. I'm okay. It, I fit. I fit. But um, in order to fit with other people and build a house together, sometimes it's hard. Might be people that you don't actually naturally get on with, naturally like, but you learn as months and years go by, you know, to to love them and accept them. So being built into a, a spiritual temple, which was what we looked at last week, the temple was a wonderful holy place where God came, where they brought the holy of holies, put the big thick curtains that were about that thick behind to shield the holy of holies. It was such a holy place, a God place. But we are that temple. And you can read this so often and just, oh yeah, just passes over and have to sit and think, gosh, yes, the church is actually here on earth to be the temple of God. Um, And then he says, you're a holy people. You remember what we said about Abraham was chosen first, and then the family came out of Abraham, and then a people, and then the idea was that they would represent God to the whole world. And in the same way, it says, you are a holy people. And you're a royal priesthood as well. And we're there to, verse 9, the reason being, we're here to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness. so when you you look at the New Testament um, I remember hearing somebody preach a sermon on the only reason we're here on earth is to spread the gospel no other reason if it weren't for that you may as well die and go to heaven but actually again I mean that's very important obviously but again and again in the New Testament and in Psalms it says we're here on earth to praise him so um, when I'm saying my prayers in the morning, sometimes I like to go out in the garden and I think, There's nobody else in this garden but me There's probably nobody else in our street maybe but me and I'm praising you, Father God. And all over the world there's little lights of praise, you know, giving giving glory to God. So that was a massive job of the priesthood to carry on praising, praising, praising. Okay, so that's just to say little recap well peter's got the same idea church in the um, church in the new testament and um as we started last week revelation you know the bride the bride of christ revelation chapter 19 once it we looked at that um and that that comes out one or two other times as well um so if you look in ephesians that's a very important one. I've got three different versions here because each one says something a, a little bit different from the other. So Ephesians chapter 5. Another letter that Paul wrote when he, when he was in prison. And it's instructions to husbands and wives. So verse verse 23, Ephesians chapter 5. For the husband provides leadership for the wife, just as Christ provides leadership for his church as the saviour and reviver of the body. In the same way, the church, as a bride, is devoted to Christ, so let the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrates to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. All this he does is designed to make us a mature church until we become a source of praise to him, glorious, radiant, beautiful and holy, Without fault or flaw, a bride fully prepared for him. So the bride is perfect. No wrinkles, no spots. Without fault or flaw, a bride fully prepared for him. Um, Husbands have the obligation of loving and caring for their wives the same way they love and care for their own bodies. For to love your wife is to love your own self. No one abuses his own body, but pampers it. There's a new word for you, to pamper. Um, Serving and satisfying its needs. That's exactly what Christ, our example, does for his church. He serves and satisfies us as members of his body, his flesh and bones. So, for this reason, a man is to leave his father and his mother, and lovingly hold to his wife, since the two have been joined as one flesh. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. So every married man should be gracious to his wife, just as he's gracious to himself, and every wife should be tenderly devoted to her husband, just like the... Bride and the the bridegroom, and it's you know keep saying this. It's it's part of God's theatre. I think you know how many marriages are there? How many, um, or even outside marriage, when when couples are faithful together, millions and millions on the earth today. All those that were gone before, billions and billions of pictures of Jesus and his bride. You can't can't get away from it. So um, the devil must hate it. Because every time there is a marriage, or every time there's, uh, there's a couple loving each other like that, they're a picture of Jesus and the bride. And he must rant and rave. Maybe that's why he tries so hard to break marriages, the devil. Um, or... To have marriages finished altogether, together. You know, he must, he must hate it. It's a picture. A lovely picture. So, each couple um, is just enacting that um, Vortemar that I... Have. Can I say that for that? Would that fit? Yeah, yeah a metaphor. Yeah. yeah, lovely picture. And then, um, there's probably other verses, but the other one I found was, um, go back in Ephesians a little bit. Ephesians chapter one. Oh no, sorry, that's um, no the other the other heading I've got is um, the church is his body, and that's the that's the metaphor, that's the picture he gives again and again and again in the New Testament. So we're his bride. We're his temple, but we're also his body. So Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 22. This is an amazing verse. So verse 19... Your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. And verse 22. Everything now finds its essence in him. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now, we, his church, are his body on the earth. So when God came in human form, in the form of Jesus, and he lived out his body on earth, flesh and blood on earth, very important. But now he's gone to heaven, although he's still here through his Holy Spirit, but we, his church, are now doing what he was doing. So he he said... I am the light of the world, and somewhere else he then says, you are the light of the world. So he was the body, God's body represented here, but now we his church are his body on earth. So what's a body for? It's to carry the mind and carry the spirit and be. Um, And then this amazing verse, and I remember speaking on this years and years ago, we are the completion of Him that fills all things with His presence flowing through us. And I said, if we're His completion, then He's not complete, is He, without us? I remember somebody saying, "You can't, you can't call God incomplete." I said, "Well, that's what He says. He has chosen to complete Himself on earth through us. That's His choice. So if we're, if we, there were no church, and He's chosen that, then there's." a lack of fulfilment. And uh, I, looked, I looked in different versions of this and um, one says we are his completion, another version says we are his full expression on earth. And each time we've got to let what you call the wow factor, you know, the wow factor, where you've got to just sit and think, of, wow. <coughs> <laughs> we, his church... His body, his representatives on earth. You know, that's powerful. Wow. So to work that out, still in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four and verse sixteen. And this is about <coughs> being practical now about what the uh, what the body means. Are you okay with that? Oh, yeah. Circling. Yeah. You ever thought what it's like in an aeroplane when you're breathing what everybody else has just breathed? (laughs) (coughs) Round and round. For his body has been formed in his image. Verse 16. And it's closely joined together and connected as one. And every part of the body, every member, has been given divine gifts to contribute to the, to the growth of everybody. So it's not just for us. If I've got a gift, it's not for me. It's for everybody. And as these gifts are imparted and they are operating effectively, we are built up and made perfect in love. So love is the major part. We're looking out not just for us but for other people. When we've got a gift, it's for, it's for others. Because when um, uh, when I was first, when the church was very young here, I was always saying, particularly to June, June, what's my what's my what's my job? What, you know, what's my gifting? And all the time, it was insecurity in me. I was always thinking, um, I need to know for me, for me, for me. And that was totally the wrong way round of looking at it. Should have been thinking, what have I got? That I can give to other to other people. So um, at the moment, yeah, I do a little bit of teaching, but I I think my the main thing I've got to do is encourage uh, encourage the younger people, encourage everybody, uh, encourage pastors Andy and Sharon, because it's so easy for people to think, oh, they're great, you know, wonderful lives, and you need to know how. how the devil can attack, how insecurity can come. You might feel the job's too big for me. And very often, you know, just a pat on the back and praying for you, you know, doing a great job. Or even to get a, a dream or a little word for, peop- for other people, you know, like we all do. So it's not us, it's, it's for others. So the church is his body. And the great chapter in that is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because the the Corinthian church was, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, yeah, famous chapter. Um, The Corinthian church was very, very lively, Uh, had gifts of the spirit, they were very um, happy, cheerful people, but it was a little bit too much in areas, Um, so when they met together, they would be getting drunk, um there wouldn't be enough food left for the poor people. So Paul had to write and say look, as far as things of the spirit go, absolutely brilliant. But one or two things that you've got that you've got wrong. Um so verse one Corinthians chapter twelve verse four. Start at verse four. So he's talking now about how it's A oneness. You know, it's not lots and lots and lots of individuals. You are one. And when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, unity is important. So, there are different kinds of gifts, but it's just the one Spirit who gives them. There are different ways of serving, but it's the same Lord being served. There are different modes of working, but it's the same God working them all in everyone. To each person is given the particular manifestation that's working out of the spirit that will be for everybody, for the common good. To one, through the spirit, is given word of wisdom. To another, a special word of knowledge, knowing something about something, in accordance with the same spirit. To another, is given faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to judge between spirits. To another, the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues. And to yet another, the ability to interpret tongues. One and the same spirit is at work in all these things, distributing to each person as he chooses. For just as the body is one, but has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, make up one body, so it is with the Messiah. For it's by one spirit that we're all immersed into one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. So then he comes on with this lovely little picture, another another metaphor, for indeed, the body is not one part, but many. So, if the foot says, I'm not a hand, I want to be a hand. No, I'm not, not a hand, I don't want to be part of the body. doesn't make it stop being a part of the body. And if the ear says, No, 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 I don't want to be an ear. I don't want to hear, I want to see things. Um, that doesn't make it stop being part of the body. Because if everybody were an eye, how could the body hear? If everybody were hearing, how could we have the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged each of the parts in the body exactly as he wanted them. If they were all just one part, where would the body be? But as indeed, there are many parts, but just one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, don't need you. Or the head can't say to the feet, don't need you. It's just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be less important turn out to be the most necessary. And the parts which we consider less dignified we bestow greater dignity. The parts that aren't attractive are the ones we make as attractive as we can. while well, our attractive parts have no need for such treatment. God has put the body together in such a way that he gives greater dignity than parts that lack it. So there's no disagreement within the body but they'll all be equally concerned for everybody or every other part. And if one part suffer, all the other parts suffer with it. If one part is honoured, all the others share the happiness. Now you together are the body of the Messiah. And individually, you are parts of it. And in this uh, dance group that we used to do, we used to do this play. And... Um, each of us was a member of the body so Alan was an eye and he'd got great big eye here on his head and a, and a, a, a piece of string, a cord, so he could pull it and the, it would open and shut Irving and Sue were feet and uh, my Sue and me were hands and then we used to we used to act this out and there was a song um, if the eye say to the Whatever, I have no need of you um, it was quite humorous, but it was really you know people that see it. people that read this again and again, but then when you see it in theater, alright it sticks in the mind so it's quite funny so tick of the album you stand there very still open the eye <laughs> and then we'd all sing this song together, you know the uh, the body song united together with the hands here and the. So we had great fun in those days. Pity we didn't take more photographs to show you. I think we've got one or two. We'll have to dig them out You say, there's there's Alan, there's Ken, there's June. Wow. Don't they look young? <laughs> so, what you're saying there, um, even the little parts are important. Because that's so practical in, in, in the church. Um I want you to take these things on board so that when you're perhaps in leadership yourself, you'll be able to oh yeah. Must apply that. Because lots and lots of people think I'm not very important. And sometimes the big names, the pastors and so on, a church can be very, very much uh just looking at the one the one man or the one or two men. Whereas it's the body. Every part something to play. And it might be what they might they might think no uh, part at all to play but they might be um, some of the old, older ladies especially older ladies that can't get out you find they're great prayers you know uh, or it might be just inviting people into the home or gifts of encouragement and I tell the story I have to explain first to you German people because they don't play cricket in Germany very much do they Right. No. <laughs> what's going on there's three three sticks here and the bowler has to come and keep his arms straight can't throw the ball he has to bowl England are playing in India for the moment so the the game spread wherever the English went <laughs> so um, Americans played baseball because we wouldn't let the Americans join the the MCC the elite but West Indies Australia New Zealand Pakistan India Sri Lanka, all uh, places the English Empire was, they, they they play cricket, and they were playing in in the West Indies somewhere like Trinidad and Tobago. The England team, and they the spin bowler. Now he's some of the bowlers bowl very very fast. They run up very fast, uh, about 160 kilometers an hour. You know, we wouldn't even see the ball, but some of them are cunning. They come up and they, they, they spin the ball, you know, that way or that way. So when it bounces, it might go that way or it might go that way. and The batsman doesn't know. So very cunning. They're, they're only slow bowlers so that the, the ball hits, grips into the wicket or goes low underneath the bat. And there was this guy called Fred Titmus many years ago on the England tour and they were in the sea swimming round. It was their day off. And all of a sudden, Fred Titman said, Ow! Ooh! He said, what's the matter? Ooh, I don't something's bit my toe or something. And lots of blood came up from the water. So they pulled him out, and they found that the propeller, that foolishly left the propeller going, had cut off one of his toes. Just like that. So he had to be patched up and sent, sent back home. And um, you can imagine people saying, Oh, it's only your toe, Fred. You'll be okay. You know. Just a toe, but he had to learn. He had to learn to walk again without one, just one toe, and he had to learn to run again. And because you know they run up and bowl, it was all about balance. He had to learn to balance again, just because he'd lost a toe. He, in fact, did did get over it. Yeah. And a much more important one there was um, England's um, England's goalkeeper. When when they played Germany in '66, the only time we've won the World Cup. A bit later on, he lost an eye in a car crash, and actually he carried on as the top goalie for a while with just one eye. I don't I don't know how you'd do that because you need two eyes, don't you, to gauge distance? But I like, I like the story of Fred Sitmus. He did play cricket again. <laughs> See, let's catch that. We want shut one eye and catch. Not sure there we go. But one toe. I mean, an eye is obviously, in bo- but a toe. No, made a massive difference to him. <laughs> Trust me, honest. <laughs> so, um, you know, just think of that for the church. Those pe- people that say they're nothing. Yeah, I believe in the body, yeah, and you're an arm, and you're an eye, and you're important, I'm just a toe. Well, Fred Titmuss can not manage very well without his toe. Neither neither can the church. Because it gives balance. Toes give balance, don't they? Yeah. So I like that story. And then he goes on in... Um, in one Corinthians, one Corinthians, and then he starts to talk about the um, these, these um, even the big gifts. So let's look at the big gifts. Verse twenty-eight: God has placed in the church, they call it a messianic community, uh, apostles; those are the ones that are sent out to start things, prophets, teachers, miracle workers. Then go those with gifts of healing, those with helps, those skilled in administration, and those who speak in various tongues. They're not all prophets. You're not all teachers. Not all miracle workers. You're all, not all have the same gifts. But, um, in other words, think what he's saying in context. They're there to serve. You know, if a prophets, teachers, whatever get thinking that they're there for themselves. They've got it all wrong. And then verse 13, famous chapter, that you might have all this, but if you've not got love, you're nothing at all. So love is the key. Um, I might speak in tongues of men and of angels, but if I don't have love, it's like a dong, a clanging cymbal or brass. Um, And it says the same about prophecy. Uh, even if I give everything away, but I've not got love, must be a wrong reason then. And then he talks about love being patient and kind and everything. So, let's look at Romans. we are not looked at Romans yet, have we? Romans chapter 12. And what I was. Um, what we. When we us English people read this because we don't have any difference in our language between you meaning you or you as you do in German Um, it's difficult for us to know when we read the English version is it talking about you or is it plural talking about you so I think we have to make a a conscious effort to to read this as, as, uh, as plural so Romans chapter 12 verse 3 Romans chapter 12 verse 3 Next time I'm with you I'll 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 give you all the notes so Romans 12 So, God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask of you, each of you, empty yourselves of self-promotion. Don't create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as a standard of measurement. And then you'll see your true value, that's to the body, with appropriate self-esteem. So, like it's saying in in his other um, letter, in the human body there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. So it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we're all vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others so I know a lady um, beautiful lady, lovely lady but we don't see her very often and she said don't really see the point of church for me you know I'm close to God and I pray and I read the Bible don't really need anybody else I think she's missing so much that uh, the church is the bride of Christ the church is the temple and she's part of it. So when we, we're missing something when, when she doesn't come. So this means we're all vitally joined to one another, each one contributing to the others. God's marvellous grace gives to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So, if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, activate your gift through Faith. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you've got the grace gift of teaching, be actively teaching and training others. If it's encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If it's to... If it's the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any blowing of trumpets. And if you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. If you have the gift of showing compassion or caregiving, then flourish in your cheerful display. So, verse 10, Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one body, family try to outdo yourselves in respect of one another that's Romans and then the big one back to Ephesians (laughs) Ephesians chapter 3 an amazing verse that says what our job as the body of Christ is. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. Yeah, I'll read, I'll read the note that he says in this um, God's grace fuels my passion to enlighten every person to this wonderful mystery, which was kept a secret in the heart of God, the creator of all, and has been hidden from the world until now. So he's talking about we're all one together. Why did he do this? So that every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm would have unveiled before their eyes God's full and diverse wisdom. It says here, multicoloured wisdom, revealed through his loving plan for the church. This perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus, so that now we have boldness, uh, we have free access as kings. Okay, so the, the footnote, he says, is here. The church is the university of the angels. Every believer is a profession, has a profession, teaching the heavenly realm, the mysteries and wonders of the grace of God. The angels investigate through our lives the treasures of grace, like the cherubim who gaze upon the mercy seat. So, that's what he's saying there. Every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm would have unveiled before their eyes God's full and diverse wisdom. Revealed through his loving plan for the church. So it's one of those "Wow!" It's as if um, you know the Holy Spirit one day came and Jesus came and spoke to us and said, "Right, guys, got a job for you. You know, God is wonderful. God is so big, God is so majestic, He's got so talented. all the things in space are his. Now, there's angels, good angels and bad angels. Millions and millions and millions of them. Set in this whole universe. Right. Got a job for you guys. I want you to teach these angels. What? I want you to show these angels God's wonderful wisdom. The angels look in on this world. They're not just here for our protection and to, to help us. But they're actually, we are a demonstration of God's amazing love. Oh. Wow, <laughs> how how do we do that? Well, just be, just be the body, just show the angels what love is all about. The um, the fallen angels perhaps need things that uh, demonstrated to them about about love and not you know boosting their their own selves. Don't know, but whatever it is, just show them. And I used to think it was a bit like. Um, How can I put it? Um, If you have a projector showing um, a film, showing a picture, you have all the best equipment in the world, but if you took that projector up in the air and shone it in space, it would be useless. You wouldn't see what's happening. It needs a screen. And it's almost like we are the screen on which God shines his pictures, on which God shines his story. And the whole of the powers that are can actually see God's wisdom, God's multicolored wisdom. It says, by um, by seeing our lives. So let's have a little break now. Oh, sorry, I didn't say that in um, t- Ephesians chapter two. Again, it talks about us being His His temple. That's another one in Ephesians, but that'll be in the notes. So we'll have a little little five-minute break. Oh, I'll get that in my head now. So, one of the verses, one of the words that Paul uses... One of the verses, that, one of the words that Paul uses again and again and again is the word therefore. Do you know how he, the abbreviation in English, dot, 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 you know that don't you? Therefore. If you're writing something quick you wouldn't write therefore, you'd just go dot, dot, dot. A triangle of dots means therefore. And if you turn it upside down it means because. bit of shorthand, short therefore. Anyway. <laughs> Paul very often in his letters will write two or three chapters like in Ephesians where he's saying let me just explain the wonders of God let me just explain how you are all part of his inheritance let me just explain how before he made the world he adopted you into his family let me explain how big God is let me explain how wonderful uh, Jesus is how he's the full expression of the Godhead Chapters 1 and 2. Chapter 3. It's amazing how often it starts with. Therefore. It's no good having all this just in your head theory. Therefore. Let's put this into operation. So I've got a therefore page here. Therefore. Thus. Also. Is that right? (laughs) Thus. Also sprach zarath. Or something like that. (laughs) Um, It talks about in the Old Testament holiness. You know, the temple has to be holy. And there's this time again and again and again we have a good king, a bad king, a bad king, a bad king, a good king, a bad king. And every time it's a good king, like Josiah, what they have to do is go to the temple and give it a good clean out. Get rid of all the idols. So when Josiah, he was only fairly young, uh, when he becomes king, I think he was the one who's who was hidden away because um, his the mother wanted to uh, kill all the all the offspring. I can't remember the full details. So he was hidden away, and then he was declared this is the true king. And uh, this wicked woman went went ran away and tried to hide in the stables, but the end came swiftly anyway <laughs> Josiah said right let's get rid of all these horrible idols so they went down to the um, the brook the village tip was there which, which is the picture of, of, of hell because uh, it's always burning it was always on fire so they took all the idols down and they, they ground them to powder and threw them on the on the bonfire like going up up the road there to the to the village tip um, because God had said his his temple had to be holy, and obviously the church has to be holy now for many years, I used to think holiness meant not this, not that can't do this can't do that we don't want that and that's true to a certain extent, but it's much more of a positive thing than just a negative thing when you think holiness is what God is saying to do. And um, I think that's, that's in a way, when we're battling with temptations, to me that makes life a lot easier. It's not, no, no, not shutting my mind to that, not shutting my mind to that, but what's God's picture? You know, for instance, um, on the subject of sex, God's wonderful picture is a man and a woman getting married, having children... Enacting the um, the bride of Christ. Get the idea. So when you when temptations come, think of thinking of the positive, because all temp- all temptations are just the enemy's distortion, the enemy twisting the truth. Not just on that subject, but you know lots of other things. Um, God wants us to love. The enemy twists that into self-love and uh, hatred of other people. So, oh, holiness, positive. Not just don't do this, don't do that. Um, so, in, in, um, in Corinthians, if we've still got that, I'll, I'll read it if you've not. One Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So, Paul's writing this letter to this amazing church that's full of prophecies and so on, but they're all doing their own thing they're all boosting themselves you know maybe one um, one prophet will start shouting and then the other prophet will join in ah but God says and etc etc oh yeah I meant to not, I only put it on for a minute Um. so he says going back to being the temple and holiness don't you know that you people are God's temple and God's spirit Lives in you. So if anyone destroys God's temple, God does destroy him. God's temple is holy, and you yourselves are that temple. So again, you know, in the old, so many churches in the past have emphasized holiness, holiness, holiness. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. But the positive is you're holy because God wants to live in you. God wants to live in and through your lives. And you can't share that. With stuff that isn't holy, impurity. So again, thinking of the positive, so there's there's no room for the negative. Mm. What was the verse? Uh, That was one Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen. You are God's. No, don't you know that you are God's temple? Now back to the Old Testament, Psalms. Dead easy to find. You just open your Bible in the middle. And there's Psalms. Psalm 48. And what I said last week, again and again and again in the Old Testament, probably loads of things I've, I've not seen. Preparing this. Psalm 48. I'll read it if you don't want to look it up. Great is Adonai and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. Now, instead of city... Think of church. Think of the the city of God. Jerusalem is a picture, because in in Revelation it says uh, um, it's Jerusalem come down from heaven. His holy mountain, beautiful in its elevation, the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Mount Zion is part of Jerusalem. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he's brought on the earth. And then verse 11. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So in its citadels, God has been revealed as a strong defense. Uh, The kings came and saw it and were frightened. Okay, so verse 10. O God, within your temple, we meditate on your grace. God, your praise, like your name, extends to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgment on the enemy. Right, this is the, the verse, really. Walk through Zion. Go all around it. Count how many towers it has. Note its ramparts, its walls. Pass through its citadels, its gates, so that you can tell generations to come that such is God, our God forever. He will guide us eternally. And for us, just this is what we were saying before, recognizing the church of God is a worldwide say organization, that's a terrible word. It's a the worldwide body of christ and some parts will be further on in their understanding than others some parts will have special gifts so it looks like to us in this place god's called us to be a joyful people it's a terrible job but somebody's got to do it (laughs) you know to be a place where people will come in and say wow it's god never seen a church like this like um uh, Rachel's boyfriend, you met him haven't you, I can't remember what he's called. Rob? Yeah, Rob, he w- wouldn't go in a church, you know, didn't like the idea and she dragged him in. Mm. Wow! <laughs> Not that makes us um, proud or anything, it's just, you know, what, what God's called us to be. and Other churches, well, other churches will have a different emphasis, you know, because it's God's manifest wisdom. You know, like that that verse we, we saw, for, for the angels, God's multicoloured wisdom. That church over there might be a little bit yellow. We might be a little bit purple, you know. Um, it's a bit like, you know, those um, a diamond will be cut with what they call facets. Same word as for face. And each facet, when you look at a diamond, will give off a different reflection. Maybe a precious stone, slightly different colour as you move it around, you know. It's not just a big, boring circle. It's different. You know, the master craftsmen will put these faces on. So, shoo, different uh, different angles. So it is with the church worldwide. Um, and some will be further on uh, than others. So, the major thing we have to do is to honour every, every part of the church. So, um... It's so easy to compare. So the Church of England, big uh, St Mary's Church. If I'm on my bike, I cycle past it. Not today. Uh, cycle past it, and it's a it's a wonderful place. They specialise in the Alpha course, and they've got probably hundreds of people have come on the Alpha course, learning, um, you know about about God. People ordinary people on the street that know nothing. It's an introduction introductory course we've tried it here and we've had a a few people in but not for us at the moment you know God's God's got others so it's not that we'd be jealous of them or compare ourselves Salvation Army go past that sometimes on the way Um, the Methodist Church over there uh, where Life Church used to meet when this building was being renovated so um, my job is to is to honour. So, we went in the um, the Anglican Church once. Andy and me went, and it was a an church thing, and it just wasn't us at all. You know, they were talking about how bad we were and how sinful, and you know, emphasising that all the time. We are weak and we are bad and we are mm. <laughs> Feel terrible, but you don't tell tales about that. He said, "Well, Hallelujah, they're, they're part of the body of Christ." whether they're functioning, whether they know who they are, you know, whether they've still got things to learn. They've probably got things that they've learned that we haven't. But it's honouring. So just like that, Psalm 48, you know, when they said, go round Jerusalem, bring your friends and say, wow, look at that. You know, that's the the, the, the temple that Solomon built. Just look at them. Wow. What a wonderful place. You know, God's place on earth. So, we look at the church worldwide and we say, this is your body, you know, we, we honour it. So I've got here holiness, this is the application, this is a therefore, holiness, respect, and another big one, because of all this, unity. Now when Jesus was about to die, a couple of hours before, two or three hours before his death, you can assume that whatever he said to his disciples that last time was very, very important. Because not that he was running out of time, because that was all all arranged, but every minute would count. So, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. verse uh john gospel of john not 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 the letter gospel of john chapter 17 and verse 23 i've got here (coughs) which probably a bit more than just the one verse so this is when jesus Has got the prayer. We've got the prayer when Jesus actually prays for us. It's amazing. Yeah, so verse 20 it says, I'm not just praying for these my disciples, but also for those who will trust in me because of what these disciples have said. In other words, that's us. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are united with me and I with you. I pray that they may be united with us so that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you have given to me I have given to them so that they may be one just as we are one. I united with them and you with me that they may be completely one and the world will realize that you sent me and have loved them just as you have loved me. So instead of the This has happened so often in the past, when the people were fighting all the time in Northern Ireland, uh, people that you work with said, so that's the church, is it? You know, Protestant, Catholics, you've ever fighting and killing each other. You know, a a dreadful example. So Jesus is saying, first of all, to be united with him, as as we we learn in our destiny, you know, that I am adopted, uh, I'm in. I'm in, as Alan keeps saying, you're in, you're in, you're in. Whether you get up in the morning and feel whether you're in or not, you're in, you're in, you're in because of what Jesus has done, right? Through the Holy Spirit, he's given us like, uh, I was just reading this morning, like an engagement ring. The Holy Spirit's given to us as a promise, you know, of the future, the future um, bridal supper of of the Lamb. We're in, we're united living in that knowledge. So if we're all united with Jesus, then we're all united with each other, obviously. And unity is is what Jesus is praying for the church, united in the Father, united within others, so that the world will see this wonderful picture of of the church. There was an article in one of the big papers a couple of months ago and it really caught my eye I don't read papers very often but this one said it's time that the newspapers took a fresh look at the church because the newspapers have all got this idea the church is dying church attendance is falling what they're doing is looking at the the established official church you know in the nation Uh, but even then they're very often wrong there's some wonderful examples of big churches of England so it said, the newspapers have got to take a fresh look at this. And he was quoting some figures, some of the, uh, the black churches in London, thousands strong, you know, which is what the newspapers look at in particular, only the numbers, although that's not always so important. Uh, but it really caught my eye that we need to take a fresh look at the church because it's not what we've been saying. It's not dying, it's, uh, it's, very, it's very, very much alive. So it's important to have something that they can see. And the some of the great testimonies you get, um, particularly when people are really suffering, um, or there've been real examples of forgiveness and uh, they'll appear on the news, you know, and just take people's breath away. Wow. <laughs> Doesn't that very often that the newspapers will pick up, you know, something like that. So, for instance, in Northern Ireland, a few years back, um, somebody dropped, the IRA dropped a bomb in a, a town called Omar. And um, there was a man there whose daughter was blown to bits, was killed. And his first reaction was grief. But then, in front of the, the cameras and the press, he just said, I forgive the IRA. And it was just powerful, so powerful, you know. Whereas others would say, "No, I'm going to get revenge and you killed us. We're going to make a counter-attack." And that was you know such, a, such an example. So when the church is unified, people and, and in a little little way, um, when I talk to people at the golf club and so on, or people are just meet, it's, it's quite difficult to talk about Christianity. They don't really want to know. But they ask, they'll see this building, and they'll ask me about it. And um, I'll say, well, actually, it's two churches come together. Oh, that's unusual. And I'll tell them the story, you know, they didn't have enough money, we had money to spare, so, you know, we helped each other and we meet in the same building. And It's, it's really a very, very good example that they can then understand because it's bricks and mortar, you know, it's a building, it's not theoretical. That's just a, a small way, you know. Small. I find I can talk about that much, but it's easier. It's a God thing, I say. Without, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when when this place opened and they put they lots of different churches in from Manchester, that's what they were saying, you know. Wow, brilliant, huh? Great example. <laughs> yeah. So, holiness, respect, unity, and. Again and again, he talks about um, being humble. So all these incredible gifts are poured out, and it's so easy for people to um, be the opposite of humble. Uh, yeah, which is proud. <laughs> I knew it was a big word. Proud. Uh, so, for instance, in um, in America, there was... Um, there's a group there that spent a lot of time praying. They have a 24-hour prayer fellowship, and it's in Kansas, Kansas City fellowship. There's a, um, a church of prayer that um, I think it's 20, 24 hours a day. But when it when God first started showering the gifts of the Spirit, there was um, uh, the prophets tended to be a little bit. No, I've got a word. And they said there was one night, and they said it was the, the the war of the prophets night. And one had stood up and said, "God says," and then they said, and then another one said, "No, no, but God says," and they were they were shouting over each other. And they learned, oh no, obviously this is wrong. <laughs> you know, if one starts speaking, you make you make room for the other. But they they were just learning at the time, and uh, it's fine now. So Paul feels it's very important to say this for some reason, so the other church he writes to when he's in prison, Philippi. And that church was founded, you remember the story when Paul was in um, what's now Turkey, and um, the stretch of water, the, is it, the Ist- Ist- isthmus in between, in between Turkey and the rest of Europe, where Istanbul is. And he was... Um, it was this wonderful story where it shows his guidance and he was going to go down the coast there and he just couldn't get any peace, you know. The Holy Spirit constrained me not to go that way. We had to go that way. And then he's praying away, no doubt, which way to go. And in the, at night he has a dream. And in the dream there's a man saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So they go over the other side of the water into Europe proper, uh, which then became Greece, opposed to Turkey and they go to Philippi and that's where they meet um, the group of ladies who were praying and God starts to preach and then they get arrested, oh a slave girl comes who's like um, a fortune teller and uh, Paul casts out the evil spirit from her because that's, that's where the power came and she's useless now this slave girl, she can't tell fortunes <laughs> so the slave owners are, um, are very cross at this So they cause a big fuss, and Peter and, um, I'm not sure which one he was with at the time, uh, get thrown into prison, Silas maybe, and um, and they're beaten, and then in prison he's singing away, singing the praises, and um, all the other prisoners say, wow, don't hear this very often, you know. And then there's an earthquake, and all the chains fall off, the jailer rushes in, thinks that they're all going to run away, so he has to take their punishment, so he thinks it's easier to kill himself um, because he's failed in his job. And Paul says, whoa, stop, we're all here. And he tells the jailer how to become a Christian. The jailer gets saved and all his family. And that's how the church at Philippi starts. <laughs> Can you imagine them? people coming in next generation? Let's tell you the story of how the church in Philippi know, <laughs> It was actually in jail. Um, but for some reason, Paul feels he's, he has to write um, about about humility so in Philippians which chapter was that? Philippians chapter 2 verse 2 so I'm asking you my friends be joined together in total unity With one heart, one passion, united in love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from controversial or pride-filled opinions. It's so easy to get debating with each other, you know, what each little word means. And it's so easy to just be talking from our own mind. Rather from from the spirit, they'll only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic. Echter, do you say Echter? Authentic humility. No, echte, echte Sorry. Echter demu, Echter demu, in Echter All right. Put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to your friends instead of your own interests. Consider the example that Jesus, the Anointed One, has set before you. Let his mindset become your motivation. So just think of this. He existed in the form of God but he didn't think to seizing that alone as his supreme prize. He He emptied himself of his glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself. He became vulnerable, choosing, choosing to be revealed as a man. He listened to the Father and was obedient to everything he heard. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. So you can imagine... We were talking about different stories we could write, um Ophelia and Tom and Pete, uh, looking at looking at stories in the Bible from a different point of view, and one of them could be two angels talking to each other, you know and uh, maybe the, maybe they're writing letters to each other, you know um, Father God is coming down to earth. He's actually coming down to earth," and the other one's saying, "Wow." they'll all fall flat on the faces and just die with the glory that we see. No, 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 he's coming in a form of a human being. What? You sure you got that right? Yeah, that's what he told us. He's coming in the form of a human being. Okay. The next letter comes. Right, he's ready to be born. Where's he being born? A great big palace, you know, lots of. No, no. Uh, in an inn. Well, some inns aren't too bad. Oh, no, no. There was no room in the inn. He's being born in a stable, you know. In the straw amongst the uh, the cow poo on the floor. You're joking. No, no, you've got this wrong. This cannot be true. The almighty God is coming to be born in a stable. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're going to tell people we're going to have a big fanfare. Yeah, yeah, it's got all that organised. Uh, shepherds. You're joking. Shepherds. Shepherds are not thought of very highly in uh, in Israel at all. Um, no, no, not shepherds. Yeah, yeah. The shepherds see it and they come crowding into the stable. (sighs) A few years later, you know, he writes, um, years have gone by. Has he done anything? No, no, he's just a carpenter. Nobody knows who he is, but when he's 30, 30 years old, he's lived being a carpenter. (laughs) Now he's going to start. Wow. And how long was it? Two, three years maybe. So he spends more time as a carpenter than he does as a preacher. Yeah, yeah. And, uh Wow, do they all accept him? No, no, quite a crowd, but only a minority. And now, the new letter arrives, he's been, uh, they've killed him. Wow, how? He's crucified as uh, on the cross by the Romans. Cruel death. So, you get the idea, this eternal glory he puts on one side and he comes to earth. The glory that he could have on the earth, he puts on one side. He lets the Jews say bad things about him. On a cross, he wants these thinking of them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. An utter example of humility, so that now, God the Father will lift him up and give him, give him the glory. Verse 11, every tongue will proclaim in every language Jesus Christ is Lord, is Yahweh, bringing glory and honour to God his Father. So that's the example. That's how we're to live. (laughs) Woo! And it starts with this. Consider other people. One version says other people are better than you. Well, not sure what better means, whereas this version says people are more important. It's a lot easier to say, yeah, I'm going to make you more important. And serve you than to have to think you're better than me. Yeah, more important, I think, is a probably a better a better version. Okay, so that's uh, humility. And then Romans twelve verse three. That's that's another one. Should we look at that one? Can't remember what that one was. To think of it, other people is more important than self. Romans 12 verse 3 and this is under your proper role in the body of Christ. oh we read this before didn't we so in the body we're all different parts yep. you know that that's where the humility comes. we don't have it all you know every, everyone's got a job to play so that that lends humility and love now in in John John's gospel now John was a fiery character so when he came with his brother James to Jesus he gave he gave them nicknames so Peter's nickname was the stone the rock Kepha Uh, I know you call Peter but your name will be the rock Um, and the, son, the two sons their dad was called Boanerges uh, James and John and he said Sons of Thunder that's your nickname where's the Sons of Thunder come on breakfast time that was their nickname and um, one time they, were, they, were, they went to a town in Samaria um, or Galilee and uh, they came back and said Jesus they, they don't want anything to do with you they don't want you in the village shall we call down fire from heaven to destroy them Sons of thunder, whoa 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 <laughs> no that's not the way, and yet John has this fabulous revelation of that God wants to to, uh, to love so we looked in John's gospel before and we found what Jesus had said about love you know and unity um, for for his church, and in John's epistle, peter Peter John, John, John doing a lot of. Charging through, are we? Yohanan in Hebrew according to this. So in John's Epistle Chapter three John John's Epistle, chapter three and verse one. So it says, See what love the Father has lavished on us in letting us be called God's children. Wow. Another wow. For well, that is what we are. So dear friends, we're God's children now. And then, therefore, verse 11. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love each other. So just as God's love does, and it's not just a theoretical thing. Oh yeah, that's good. It's really in our hearts, wow. Wow. If you love me, very often we have to forgive. And when I find it hard, I have to think, right, what are the things God's forgiven me of? (laughs) You know, if He were to list every wrong thought, every wrong word, every wrong um, attitude on a piece of paper, this room would be overflowing. So I've got to forgive somebody who's said something wrong about me. So once you've got that in your heart you know God's love then you can give the, the, uh, the, the love out to other people and the other one I've written is uh, security and you don't have to look this up but Psalm 138 uh, Psalm 139 I love that one where it says God knows us through and through he knows every thought before we even think it um, whether we come to him feeling ashamed or feeling successful, whatever, we're still his child, he knows everything about us before we've even done it, before we were born. But the verse before that is the verse in Psalm hundred and thirty eight, verse eight, and it says that he will fulfil his purpose for us. And that gives a feeling of peace. God will fulfil Do you want to read it, Miriam? that he will fulfill his purpose for me. So that gives me a feeling of peace. Feeling I can relax. (laughs) I can trust him. We might be feeling sometimes, oh Lord, you know what? What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Um, What's my future? Um, Will I miss out on things? God, you will fulfill your purpose for me so bless you Ophelia in that when you the years to come when you're wondering which which pathway to take you know Lord God fulfill not not just a prayer but it's like you will fulfill your purpose you've said Lord you will fulfill it so I'm going to I'm going to trust you in that so I I can look back on um, I've had a a rather strange career. I used to work, (laughs) I was telling him the other night, I used to work for this firm where all the bosses were communists. (laughs) The bosses that owned the factory, uh, they were communists. Um, They changed their minds after um, Prague and after um, Hungary. Um, But we used to get a lot of jobs behind the Iron Curtain and I was in in Poland putting a, a plant up there and then they wanted me to stay in Poland I'd worked there for about ten years uh, or a bit less and they wanted me to work in stay in Poland for a while I said I can't you know because family my church so they kicked me out I had to go so then I found uh, God found me a nice job in a firm that made education and products and they were like they were like toys when I first went it was really boring I was counting nuts and bolts in the stores I was and I used to go out into the park and say, Lord, because I've got a university degree and I'm counting nuts and bolts in the stores. And I used to walk, this was in Salford, I used to walk down to the park and walk around about, Lord, thank you, thank you for nuts and bolts, thank you for George Cousins that have given me the job, thank you, thank you. And then one day, um, the big boss called me in and he said, well, You've got a degree, haven't you? I said, Yeah, in chemical engineering. You're just the man we need. We've just got a big contract in Kuwait at the university and we're taking lots and lots of equipment there and uh, we want you to find out all about this equipment, not just our firms but other people's firms and I want you to uh, to install the equipment and demonstrate. Wow, okay, that's, yeah that's good. So God, after praising God, you know, in, in what was very boring, I got the boost and for years I worked there, travelled a lot Saudi Arabia, which wasn't too nice Q8 which is better Um, went to Jordan managed to have a holiday in Israel had to fly to Cyprus because you couldn't go from Jordan to Israel had to fly to Cyprus and then back out again Um, Kathmandu up in the Himalayas in Nepal you know it was was a real nice career designing equipment wind tunnels and testing engines on a stand that sort of thing Really, quite interesting. Then I ran out of ideas, um, and they wanted somebody to have redundancy, somebody to give up their job, you know, because there were too many. Um, So I was 49, and I thought, quite fancy teaching. So, uh, but I'm not sure what to be a teacher. And uh, they, they wanted a volunteer, and I was praying and praying and praying, Lord. Will I be a good teacher or maybe I, maybe the kids will drive me mad? I, I don't know, you know. I've got a family. Is it the right job? I've got no guidance whatsoever. <clears throat> and everyone was saying, OK, tomorrow nobody's volunteered. They're looking for someone. And everyone said, Ken, you're OK because you're part of the firm, the educational, is keeping everybody else going, you know. It's the other side that's not making any money. Your, your job's definitely secure. And then there's a tap, the next. and I felt really disappointed, Lord, I'm going to stay here, I've run out of ideas, getting a bit bored, you know, what what to do now, teaching, yeah, probably, mm, probably quite nice, but I've had no guidance whatsoever. So then there was a knock on the door, and the big boss came in and said to my colleague, Alan, could you just leave us alone? And I thought, yes! 'Cause my prayer was, Lord, if it's if it's me, let me be chosen, even though it's impossible. And I remember sitting down and, and I was just smiling all over my face and they must have been thinking, What's wrong with this guy? We're about to give him the give him redundancy, you know. Um So I was just smiling and smiling. Ken, you know, if it's you. Um want you to leave please. Um pack all your stuff up today and go today. Yes. Smiling away, you know. Thank you, God. <laughs> so I went back to college for a year, which is nice. You know, when you're a bit older, go back for a year to Manchester University and just do a teacher training thing. Just a small group of about eight, eight or ten of us, and then went to Warrington. That school then closed down, not my fault. That school closed <laughs> down at Busey, and I went to a nice, uh, nice town in Poynton, and uh, spent 14 years there. My last, last bit of teaching. So I look back on a on a quite quite a nice career. And um, funnily enough, when I was, when you're doing your teacher training, they send you to different schools, two schools. One in Whitenshaw, which was a bit tough, and then this one at a, a semi-private school um in, in Manchester. And um, in the in the break time, I was talking to this, this guy in me and said, my, my name Beggs. You're not Hugh Beggs, are you? And he said, yeah, that's right. I said, you were, you were the head boy at, at our school, Sale Grammar School up there. Oh, and he said, oh, Cam, oh yeah, Camp Wilkes. Now, I was a bit of a, only a bit of a rascal. Not a big rascal, just a little bit naughty. I was always getting into, yeah, playing tricks on, you know, things that boys do. <laughs> I was always late, actually, <laughs> like today. So, so um, he said, oh, oh, that's it. I said, well, what, what have you been doing? And he said, well, I went to Cambridge. That's, you know, top, top one. And uh, I got a first class and uh, came back here to this, this private school and I've worked my way up and I'm now head of geography, he was. And I've been doing that for 25 years Oh right! Oh yeah, that's interesting. And he said, "What have you been doing?" So I told him about my career behind the iron curtain, away in Himalaya and the Middle East, and uh, and after I just I felt embarrassed because I thought my life's my life's been a lot more interesting <laughs> than your life, you know. <laughs> Even though there were times of difficulty, got the sack, got made redundant, and you can just see. And because that that one about. It wasn't my choice to be a teacher. You know, they chose it. It was a miracle. When tough times come, like they always do when you're teaching, and you think, oh, um, I can always say, no, God, you've put me here. And there were some wonderful times when some of my class, uh, not through my influence, but I think it, it helped me. They knew I was a Christian. There we were quite a few Christians in the, in the group. And um, I always remember this time, this big—he was a huge lad, a big black boy came in, and uh, I remember him one one day in a in a technology class, and I, c- I could hear him talking to the others in a very loud voice, because uh, he was a Christian. He says, and he was too big for them to to uh, take the fun out of too much. He was he was huge. So, have you ever felt the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Have you ever seen? Mary... And he was talking like this. So I just sorry, what was that? (laughs) So he's almost preaching to the class. I'm thinking, not sure what would happen now if the headmaster came into the room. (laughs) You know, and I think my being a Christian was, you know, an encouragement to them. Um, I remember one time they, they invited me to their local church in Poynton and it was a Russian gospel choir. And the building shook, you know, all male, you know, all these big, Russian voices you could could, honestly you could feel the building shaking with their their voices (laughs) so you know when I look back on my career yes Lord you chose the pathway for me (laughs) it was weird the way it all ended but it all ended good so pray for that for all of you guys Mm. Hallelujah Thank you for listening to the IDESTINY podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.